Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Culp. I'm Freddie Wolf. April has come to a close, which means we've got Event Horizon for you, finally. Yeah. Holy After shit. months. Not, months. Not, okay, well, let's just fucking just jump right to it. This movie has never looked better, maybe even better than it did in 97 when we saw it in the theater. There's only one little moment in the very beginning where the CG, floating CG stuff doesn't hold up. Oh, is that is that when they go in? You're talking about when you see the the ring and the watch and everything? Yeah, floating? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it looks a little, it, it just- It, it did in 97. <laughs> it looks great then, yes. It's a little timestamp, but everything else in this movie looks fucking phenomenal Dude, and it, yes and it's the last time that you're kind of going oh gosh this is what we're in for it's almost like it's almost like a a, a psych moment where they're kind of like not just kidding the movie looks fucking rad here you go <laughs> it's like right. a, it's like a tease that it wasn't going to be that the thing that you remembered but and like we talked about before i hadn't seen this thing probably in a good 15 years in its entirety and fuck man i Paul Anderson did an amazing job with this. And when you watch the behind the scenes, which we'll get into because this shout re at least that we've been fiending off of. <laughs> oh, you do it. It's sick. If you have a passing interest in this movie, get this shout release because it will change your view from the, from all the behind the scenes, from the production of it. And you have a brand new appreciation for the movie and what they, what was put into it. And we nerded out big time before we turn the mics on because this is what boutique releases are about. This is, there's love and care and man. And as you pointed out, man, the enthusiasm of talking to people that were involved with the movie, Paul Anderson himself. Yeah. Jeremy Bolt. Chris Masawas, Joseph Bennett. There's something else that's really cool. I want to point out. For we waited a long time for this release from the point it was announced and it was being delayed because obviously they were, we were there was a hopes they were going to find enough of the old cut material where they could have assembled something. They were scouring the salt mines of Transylvania. It's <laughs> everywhere. Even though you see some of those elements in here, unfortunately we they, they weren't able to get enough to cobble something together. Not the version that they wanted. It, it, right. Not a version that they wanted to give us. And that's fine. You know, I, I am, I, I think that that's better yeah. that they didn't try to shoehorn it just to do it. Right. And even Paul Anderson, even during his, uh, his isolated interview, he talked about um, that, that, it would require reshoots. It required new footage right. to, to do sure. it. Not, not because it was missing, but because there was stuff they never shot that would have made it work anyway. This, because we waited so long for the movie to come out for this release, which just came out a short while ago, a couple of weeks ago. I I, I was like going, man, this is like a, I, I, maybe I'm not coining a phrase here, but I, as of some I've heard, I've heard it. This is a very pandem centric BTS because everybody that's part of the new interviews sends one, maybe two of the, the principal uh, a crew involved. Sure. Is all done through Zooms or FaceTimes or something along those lines. And for a movie that people consider like the end of miniature use in big movies, and that's something they focus on quite a bit in this is, is the fact that, you know, the event horizon and the Lewis and Clark are they're physical models. It's old school ILM breaking ground in 1976 while they're making Star Wars. It's that kind of thing. It's all like it was an end of an era. And I thought it was interesting timestamp that they're working on something like this, where we're going through one of the 
nuttiest things that any of us will probably ever go through globally. And the behind the scenes for this movie just spells out everything and the passion everybody has for it. The people didn't give a shit that they were at home isolated, but they want to talk about the movie. Everybody that talks about the movie, all the new stuff that's on here, for them to be talking about stuff, you know, 25 years later is so neat. Right. To see the enthusiasm because the movie picked up a lot of steam and, and you know, the audience has grown over the years. Yes, for sure, man. From cable and from DVD and then obviously this amazing well, dude, Blu-ray. VHS. Yes. I mean, this is, this, this, this got its initial release in the home video market on VHS. This is two years before DVDs became the standard. I mean, I, I wish when, when Paul Anderson said, Oh, the, yeah. the only place that those other two cuts, because there's only three cuts of this movie. Right. <laughs> the only place that those other two would even exist is on VHS. Right. They kept them whole because they, they in case they had to go back to them because they were still cutting film at right. this point. There was right. no digital. You didn't save everything on a drive. This is still, this is film. And the fact that, you know, these cuts are remain only on VHS. I, it was so funny because I, I'm, you know, you and I grew up in that, time period where yeah vhs was the standard yep. but it's so funny to think about now just it sounded so weird for him to say it and then i'm like god well fuck of course it's on vhs because yeah that's all there was then yeah and that's and that's how we always did it when and and the edit bay if we if we ever had to produce dailies for for uh for producers to look over we're putting an assemble out together and we're dumping off the vhs i mean that's why it exists is because it's some edit bay layoff from that that some producer wanted probably lawrence gordon i, I want to see that right and that's how they did it like lawrence gordon is probably the only producer who was watching dailies yeah. and, even yes. as paul said right because no one cared about anything but titanic at paramount in 1997 that's that is true so, but i i guarantee lawrence gordon was looking at dailies as we discussed there's only three cuts of the movie and they only had four, they, four weeks, right? To for the first to deliver the first cut. Four weeks, and and by the way, in three different cuts, they took it from the hundred and thirty minute version that Paul Anderson put together along with Martin Hunter. They knocked it down to a ninety six minute theatrical. Ninety six minutes. I know it's it's insane. A thirty. I mean, that's that's more than a television show, an episode of a television show. That's a lot. That's an entire storyline. It's so much. You know, sometimes when I see behind the scenes and I see some cut scenes like the the two main ones that you see on and off throughout the 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 shot release, sometimes those things make me like bummed that I didn't get the rest of it. I don't feel that way about this. This is one of those ones where I'm like going, that's so rad that you have that. It's so cool that we can see that. All those extra behind the scenes when they're filming the the climax of the, the the last half of the third act, like, and that's most of what you see is is what's missing. It's fucking so good. It's so, like I said, it raised my level of of appreciation for this movie right into the love category. I used to really enjoy this movie. I love the movie now, and it's because there's this light shined on it by Justin Beam and James McKay putting this package together. Dude, the enthusiasm from everybody yes. involved in, in this project across the board only makes me love this movie more. I love this movie. I've loved this movie since I saw it in a dark theater in Burbank in 1997. And I know that it gets, I don't know why people hate on it so much. I don't get it. But hey, man, teeth are own. It's fine. But I avoid it. But do I mean, I couldn't, I like I told you before we got a mic, I had a hard time every, after every 
chapter and these new in all of these features i've finished one and i'd have to fight myself not to go right to the movie and just watch it <laughs> right it, you know I, i'm like oh god I, I, and I, I and i kept going through them all because i wanted to be and i and i'm glad i did because every one of them was like peeling a layer of an onion man uh, and then when i did sit down to watch the movie last night i was like oh fuck oh yeah yeah it, i mean it's definitely the way you have to to approach something like this you have to if you if you're a fan of the of the movie the disc you're buying and you're buying these boutique you you literally need to sit down and go through all the bonus features before you watch the movie because you'll have a better understanding and and you'll either love the movie more or you'll be like oh I, you know or you'll see why they did things. i mean it really changes your perspective like you said on on the finished product and it's funny because i always when i heard they were going to have a 134 minute version i was like oh yeah and then i was like yeah well i mean god they butchered it i don't, I don't know why did i even why did i think they butchered because i like the 96 minute one i just find that when i heard that they cut it down from 136 minutes or whatever i was like oh my god what did they cut out to get it you know what am i missing but i i don't know that after seeing all this that i'm really missing anything because i love the 96 minute version so I appreciate and I'm glad to know what's out there and, and, the, and the missing stuff that, that you do see in this. It's all amazing, but I'm okay with the movie that we got a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and this, you know, after sitting through it, I mean, I love the movie even more than I did, if that's possible. One of the <laughs> things too, in, in Paul's interview, his new interview from 2020, he made a comment like you kind of, you were leading to with DVD that the only place that, you know, this is before the DVD boom and otherwise they would have had a place to put all this because once the DVDs hit, you know, Paramount reached back out to him because the movie, you know, because DVDs were doing so well, Paramount's like, Hey, cause it, at that time, that's when things were getting tagged film school in a box kind of thing. They wanted him to restore all the deleted footage. I'm like, cause that was a big thing too. Like around 98, 99, it was became, becoming this, selling point of putting splashed unrated across the front of a DVD cover. Oh yeah. And unfortunately, just like with now, they couldn't find the footage. It was gone. Even when you do see the stuff that you see, it's work print stuff. Even the stuff that's on VHS that they transferred for this, uh, for those deleted scenes, it's, you'll, you see all the markers are all the way across everything because it's all work print. It's not even a cleaned up neg, but that's the charm of seeing those little moments. But like you pointed out, would it have been cool to have seen all that shit? Fuck yeah, it would have been cool. Do I need it back in the movie? No, that would have been fun. But this release, there's so much there. I thought, by the way, that's something funny too. I, mean, I think you and I talked about it uh, when we both got our discs. I thought it was going to be a two disc. I thought with all the extra stuff on there, I'm like, how can you still make the movie? I, mean, I was worried about the movie not looking good. I was worried about the encode not looking good enough because they were going to shove so much stuff under one disc. Nah, man. It looks amazing. The movie looks fantastic. The transfer is great. The sound design is gorgeous, as always. And, and something else, too, but the sound design, I, I don't ever talk about this. Anything that I've ever done sound work for, I'm really big on hiding a Velcro sound in it, like just Velcro. Sometimes I'll pitch it up or pitch it down or I'll put it low in the mix, but I have a, you know at least one rip of Velcro in everything I've done. Even on this show, <laughs> there's Velcro. There's a moment where Campbell Eskew is doing his his segment for sound design. You know, Scream from the Cosmos is the segment. There's a segment name if you have your disc. There's a moment where one of the characters rips open something uh, on his suit, on, on his jacket, and, and it's Velcroed. And, and I think it's uh, Sam Neill while he's in the uh, 
in the microprocessor in the in, in the uh, what do you call it the circuit board room you know the circuit board right, uh, the, tunnels uh, the ducting the ducts yeah, yeah. yes he uh, he undoes his velcro right there I laugh because I'm like going because it remind me I put velcro on everything but here it is it's supposed to be 2047 right <laughs> so when the movie takes place and right velcro dude velcro is gonna be around forever why not dude. it's a it's a perfect invention. Just because you brought that up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up just a couple of things that I love and have always loved this about this movie is the fact that it's 2047 and people smoke in space. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's smoking. And obviously that's not going to happen because you've you're, you're got limited oxygen and scrubbers. And especially since the scrubbers, they make a big deal about the scrubbers, the oxygen any, anyway. But I love it that they, 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 they're smoking. I love that Lawrence Fishburne's character wears a leather jacket. Yeah. <laughs> All that shit, man, which is so badass. Like, it's just such charactery stuff. Uh, you know, the, the fact that we're seeing it in 2047, it just warms my heart, man. I, you know, I think Roger, I think Roger Ebert may have even mentioned those things in his review. I remember years ago, because I remember Roger Ebert's, his review of the movie. I don't think it was, he didn't bash it. He, he loved it, but I think he cited it for a lack of logic, which I don't have any problems with any of that. No, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't go to see this movie for, for the logic of it all, but I, you know, I do appreciate that we get the, a noir uh, aspect of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you get your, you know, your Velcro, you get the smoking, you, you get those kind of things. I love that it makes these people feel real. Yeah. It's rooted for, for the audience. They, they relate to it because I'm like, Oh, I, I, I smoke. I, I spoke to people right. that smoke. Oh, I heard that Velcro strap on before I got, when, when I got in the car to go right. to the movies. Yeah. That's what it's those little things like that. Um, also like Campbell skew talks about that. I created these new sounds because I want to have an organic feel. I want it to sound like an old right. wooden ship, you know, that, that it's certain things like that. It puts that familiarity into the, the project and then it, it makes everybody feel it's all relative, even though they're in fucking space in, in this point, right. it's 50 years in the future and it doesn't matter because people relate to it. And there's something that, that the movie always gets said. It's always like, Oh, Hellraiser in space. I've heard that. Yeah. It's not though. Right? No, it's not. And you know what? After watching it again, you know what I think it's more like it's flatliners in a haunted spaceship. That's what it is to me. It's a haunted house, but flatliners because it's like, and it didn't hit me until this time I watched it. I'm like going, this is fucking flatliners. Hmm. No, no, no. I'm just saying it's funny. Cause if I, if I had to pick a movie, I, I would say it's the haunting of hell house <laughs> in space. Yeah. I'm with that. Right. I, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, and they say it, everybody involved in these extras, they literally say it's the shining in space, yes. which Hundred percent, dude. The Event Horizon. It's very much like the Overlook. Oh, and Robert Wise is the haunting. Yeah, very much so. It's funny because Hellraiser is not something I would say either. I mean, I I don't know, man. I again, I think that's just a a generic term, uh, you know, that people threw on the movie because of the because of weird, maybe because of how weird looks at the end. Maybe I guess. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it. I don't know. I don't think it's Hellraiser in space at all. Dude, should we run? Should we run through these bonus features and just kind of hit them? Yeah, yeah. And if we didn't say this already, one of the things that's synonymous as far as everybody's enthusiasm for this movie that you know, when you're watching the behind the scenes and these new extras that shout put together, holy fuck, does everybody love Jason Isaacs? Everybody, oh, goddamn, right? <laughs> I mean, fuck. 
If there was a popularity contest on set, he won hands down. Yeah, the, he got. I mean, you, you got to hear him from from Christian Salas and how how excited he got when he got to come in and and grab oh, and nooks and oh, crannies yeah. and put them on his on on his uh, costume and everything. And when you see the when they're showing the B roll as he's talking about that, I mean, if you look at everybody else. They're, they look the way they look. But when you look at Jason Isaacs, his jacket, his vesties were just loaded with stuff. And I'm like, that's somebody that just loves what he does. And he's, again, he's not, not only is he one of the highlights of the movie. I mean, the whole cast fucking kicks ass. I just thought that out of all the BTS, that's one of the few times that they reference any of the cast in, because everybody's usually is focused on whatever their, whatever their, right, dis whatever whatever their, their discipline is. Right, right. right. And so when you get to hear a couple of different guys like from set deck and, and from production talking about Jason Isaacs and his enthusiasm for the project, that just, it just screams that everybody was on board mostly. Right. Um, you know, what's funny, man, is I'm going to say this about, th there's that moment where Jason Isaacs comes up and he, before the, right before everybody goes into stasis yeah. and uh, he comes up and he, he's smoking a cigarette pulls it out of his mouth and he's pulling out the needle and he's off. He offers Neil the cigarette right before he shoots him in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> and Neil's like, cause he's like, uh, and he just shakes his head. No. And, and he pops the cigarette back in his mouth. It kind of threw me back into, there's a thing in, in the mouth of madness. And it's a thing that runs through the whole movie where Sam Neil just cannot finish a cigarette. Something always interrupts him. And I literally, it yesterday was the first time I ever thought about, it. I was like, God damn it. I wonder if that was a nod or just a kind of a thing or, or it's not related, but in my mind, it's a, another thing with a cigarette and Sam Neil, like I'm still not going to get that cigarette. <laughs> it's just a cool, like nerd shit. When you and I were talking earlier in the week about something else, I forgot what it was where it feels like there's certain filmmakers that have, they have a homage moments. Yeah. But, but there's some filmmakers that maybe take their, um, their homage and confuse it with their voice of what they put out there. When you get a big movie like this, and again, I, look at dude flatliners, even if that was intentional or not, it's something I didn't see for 30 years. Right. You know, 25 years, the alien stuff's obvious. But when you watch the behind the scenes, I'm like going, dude, these guys really treat us like a haunted house kind of movie, even though on the surface it was painted such in such a way and you bought into the whole idea that it's in space. You don't even think haunted house when you see the movie, but you're right in time, 27, 20 something years later. Oh yeah. How can you not get the haunting at this point? How can you not see the shining? How can you not see all those things? When that when I was talking before about how some some uh, filmmakers go a little crazy with their homages and don't have their own, don't build their own voice around it, this isn't that you you see you you notice those things right away with the newer filmmakers. With this, it takes years before you catch it, and also it takes years of watching it and listening to people talk about it before you go, oh fuck, you're right, right. I didn't catch that. Something else I want to point out to Lawrence Gordon, we mentioned already is, is one of the producers on this. And I got to think he's the guy that brought in Michael Kamen doing the score because fuck man, this is like his biggest score, like non-action movie score that I think he did. Oh yeah. It's so good, man. It's such a great score. The score really helps set everything in this film up to work. Right. I mean, I have it on in the background right now because I have the, uh, the, it's on my TV and you know, I've got the main, main menu. On the loop, yeah. And I, it's on the loop <laughs> and I'm just like, I keep hearing it. It's keep, it keeps pumping. I'm sorry. I can turn it down if you keep hearing it. 
there's nothing about this movie that I, I don't like. I can't say that about a whole lot of movies. Everything I always loved about the movie, they touch all of it in these extras. Yes. Everything. Yeah. Right. This is, I mean, I, like I said to you before we got on, I own a lot of these Shout Factory uh, selects and I own a lot of Shout Factory special editions. This might be, no, I'm not even going to say might. This is the best one I own. I mean, I'd have to go back and revisit some of the other ones, but I want to say this one, hands down, is my favorite. Yeah, I can't argue with that because I haven't seen anything that Shout's released that made me go, yeah, I think that I think that package you put together is better than, no. <laughs> Dude, this is a film fan produced package for film fans. Period. Again, yep. like this movie, this, this this these extras will sway you if you're on the fence about the movie. This movie, these this extras, these extras will sway you if the movie isn't the same as it is to us. You don't like it as much as we do. This will change your mind. And it's funny because it shouldn't. Right. You know what I mean? It's it, it should. If anything, it should just it make you feel more. Uh, if you like the movie, then it should make you like it even more. Again, Justin and James did, and then there's, they're both so involved in all the other releases. You were a lot of the releases you were just talking about from Shout. This one, man, you can just tell there's a, and they, I think that goes across the board with everything they work on, but there's a love for this. Yeah, man, totally. And Justin's been very active on Twitter in the last, you know, six, seven months about it. A year ago, when you were talking about why there was a delay for it. And, but man, this is why boutique companies exist. Yeah, man. Because they put stuff like this together and they nourish the film fan. And but can you can, oh man, can you imagine being somebody who hasn't seen this movie yet and this is how you get to you're introduced to it? Your introduction. Fuck. Yeah, man. Lucky. You're lucky. <laughs> to, 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 I'm just this, saying, to, yeah. Try to watch it in the darkest room possible and yeah. watch it at night if you're seeing it for the first time. The sound design of the last 20 years is is exceptional. It's because all the tools are there. The tools that we used 15 years ago are the same tools we're using today. To to listen to to this movie and know what limited time you had to work with. Uh, you know, for for Campbell and his sound design crew, for yeah. Michael. Think about think about this, dude. That was something else too. 40 what we we talked about what was it, 34 minutes cut, right? How much Michael Kamen's score is cut from the movie too? Like right. cues that he did off that 130 minute cut. Well, I mean, dude, that's like a, that's an album's worth of cuts right there. For right. Music cues. And dude, I mean, everybody, I mean, just think about from the, from the moment the movie's greenlit, you have 13 weeks to build all this shit yeah. before it goes to camera. Now, that's not a long time, man. Yeah. They, they did it and they did it well because I get it. I'm going to dare you to find me a science fiction film that's been made since 1997 that holds up looks wise the way the sets, the ship. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I I feel like this is probably one of the best looking space films of the last 30 years, if not the best. Right. I, I can't think of off the top of my head. I can't think of anything better. That includes the alien movies that have come since yep. then. It includes all of the Star Wars movies. I'm just saying, maybe this isn't on scale with Star Wars, but in my mind, I, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff. I stuff in the movies I don't need, and and obviously I know when I'm looking at green screen. Uh, but I'm just saying, you look at this movie; it really holds up because the the ship, everything in it is built. The actors are being thrown into walls. They're falling on the floors. They're crawling through motherboard ducting. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, it's all there. 
they're they're booming out. They're, they're running sixty feet away in that opening shot, dude, of Neil when he's shaving. Right. When they pull back, and you're like, and you you're realizing that's a camera move. Yeah, that's not wasn't created in a computer. Yes, if you haven't seen this movie, watch the movie and then go and go through everyone. Don't skip one of these extras no. because. There's not one that needs to be skipped. I mean, there's, you, you'll learn something about this film in every single one. One of the things that I, I did though, and we'll kind of, we're going to give you a rundown of those extras in a moment. I intentionally, oh, I intentionally bypassed all the actors. I wanted to get into the, the meat and bones of it because I've seen interviews with, with this crew. I mean, with this cast, I've seen interviews before. Granted, they're all new. These new ones that came with this, with this shot release. But I'm like, I want to hear what Paul Anderson has to say. Yeah. I want to hear what, what Joseph Jeremy Bennett Holt. has and Crispin Salas. Yes. I want to hear what these guys, have, and then go back and hear, because for the actors, other than Jason Isaacs, <laughs> I think everybody in there, even though they were into the project, I want to know what they felt once they got onto the set after all these, this crew and all these artists and craftsmen built those sets and what it was like for them to act on them and, and, and engage with their other actors. And to me, I mean, they're the last people on the set, right. As far as like before sure, the camera yeah, rolls. Right. So I wanted to get everybody else's two cents on it and then go into that. Cause I haven't even watched the actors interviews yet. And because I wanted to go back in and soak, soak up, all the crew stuff again. I watched them last. I skipped the three actors until I went through every other thing. And then I went back and watched it. I did, I did the same thing for the kind of the same reason. I wanted to hear what everybody else had to say. Yeah, I did. I did very similar thing. I, I'm just three ahead of you features because I watched them. Uh, I did. I went, I went deep diving, man. I spent all day <laughs> in this fucking desk yesterday. God damn it. We could have talked about this last night. And I would have been fine. Like I would have just, but the show would be 14 hours long. Um, What's funny is like, we, we, before we go down the list of things that there's a whole bunch of stuff that is from the DVD release. So there's, there's extras on there that have been pulled from that. Yes. Being somebody that, that, that's, you know, I'm more on the post side. You're more on the pre and pro side of things. You, you think somebody doesn't really give a fuck about listening to Derek Harrington, the location manager? Dude, that's like one of the Dude, best parts of it. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. Just the fact that, here's the thing. The guy scours the countryside, abandoned power companies, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to spoil any of this stuff. Right. And they end up building it all. Yeah. And, and, he, and he wasn't upset at all. He's no. like, oh, they, they were kind you know, I mean, it seems like everybody involved in this movie kind of knew from the time they read uh, Eisner's script to the time that the movie was finished. It just seems like everybody was fully engaged because I've been on films, you know, and, and sometimes during prep, people sour early, you know, but, uh, or if you talk to people hindsight, you know, six months after the film, all they want to do is talk about how horrible it was and da da There's no sour grapes from any of these people. No. And, and that goes to show, uh, and I feel like that all, and I, I told you earlier, I feel like that all comes from Paul Anderson because the, the joy and the love that that dude, it just pours out of him in these interviews. Yeah. And, you know, I, I worked, I was lucky enough to work on soldier, which, was shot right after this and he'll get into why soldier was after this and not before it when you're what you so i i don't want to ruin all these things us bullet pointing the bullet points is enthusiastic as 
we are about yes. it. And it's so good. I'm like, we, we want you guys to experience it too. And so we were never, we're yes. never going to get into it too much, but the Paul Anderson interview isn't long, but dude, it's dense. Yeah, it is. You're going to, if you, when you start looking at the extras and if you look at the runtimes, you're like going, oh, it's only five minutes long. It's only six minutes long, but it's, it's filled with such information and you're like that I hadn't heard before. And, and right. And the unique, some, some of the unique BTS that you're coming across too, that you're only seeing in that segment, as opposed to money shots that you see later on, like three or four, especially, and that's the thing too. I remember the DVD having. The DVD is great too. I mean, I still have it. It's, it's, it's the, you know, the DVD is great, but I mean, this is just a whole new ballgame. Right. Which is why you should own this. Yes. Even if you own this special edition DVD, you should buy it and have them both. <laughs> because you're getting two things about it. Let's just go for it, man. I, we've said it like four or five times now. And even during Kickstart, the cleanup on the image yeah. is just. The movies never looked better. Never looked better. Never looked better. And I know and I know for a lot of people when you hear, oh, 4K scan, like, well, yeah, it's not a 4K movie, but they're scanning each frame into a 4K image, meaning that allows them to get as much information as possible. So when they start cleaning things up, it's going to look the best as possible when it gets popped back down to a 2K master and then delivered to you as 1080p. Yeah. This movie looks motherfucking amazing. And it's the original camera neg that they went from. So another yes. reason why it looks so fucking great. Yeah, man. I mean, it's the best shout factory shout. So it's the best one I own. I mean, and I, and I love their stuff always, but I'm, I'm saying, man, after going through this yesterday, this is by far hands down my favorite. Yeah. I can't argue with that. Yeah. The DVD extras that were from the previous release that the commentary you're going to hear on there is with, with, with Paul Anderson and, and producer Jeremy Bolt. There's a five-part making of Event Horizon doc. There's another four-part look into filming of Event Horizon that that Paul does a narration on. That's called The Point of No Return. And we just mentioned a short while ago, Secrets, which is the extended deleted scenes with his commentary on or off, which is cool. I like how, I like how you can still be select. You can yep. select that. Right. Oh, man. Dude, we talked about this off mic. The unseen Event Horizon, which is the unfilmed rescue scene. Oh, man. And all the conceptual art. Yes. And I, I must have overlooked that on the DVD release because I don't remember seeing it, but it's here as is the trailer and a video trailer. And I went, when I saw a video trailer, I'm like, what well, that was a video trailer. And oh, dude, right. It's, it's, yeah, I, I did the same thing. Yeah. And then, I, but I watched it and I was like, oh, of course it's from the VHS. Yep, exactly. It's pan and scan. Which I thought it's, was it's, super clever of them to do that. Yeah. You can't give me enough. You can give me fucking more shit. I, I'm just keep putting it on the desk. Yeah. What's new is the the image is gorgeous from the new uh, new cleanup yep. of the camera neg. We talked about it quite a few times uh, in throughout this conversation at this point. Reflecting on hell, this is the Paul Anderson brand new interview, and this yep. is when you start getting into all of the the Zoom slash FaceTime conversations. And what I thought was great that that Justin and James did, and I think Justin being mostly, I think he does all the editing, all the new pieces, which is cool. There is nobody on the other side. You don't hear the other person. It's right. just Anderson talking or Philip Eisner talking, or that's the thing that's so good about it. That's why when you see something that's only five or six minutes long, it's just them talking. Yes. There's no back and forth. And then like your, your, your brain is used to seeing, and oh, it's an interview that's six minutes long. It's a, there's a back and forth. So you're getting half of new information. Uh, you're getting half of it is the answer. This you're hearing six minutes of. Yep. 
just reflection and it's fucking awesome. Amazing. After that, you, you, you have uh, Philip Eisner's segment. He's, the, of course, the writer. His segment. I love, by the way, I love how they title all the segments. Oh, me too, man. It's so clever because they're, they're taking a little bit of something that the subject has said in this conversation. In this case, Philip Eisner goes with the, with the ghost galleon. And that's just not the only time that the word galleon's used. No. Like we said, during Campbell Askew's segment, he talks about he treated us like an old wooden ship, an old galleon. I thought that was like super clever. Like, oh yeah, they're like chapters in a in a novel, right? Yeah. Each one, ghost galleon, and then and then we get uh, Kathy Quinlan's organized chaos is, uh, and then we go to Jack Noseworthy, uh, compassion in space. One of my favorites, uh, which you'll see when you watch it, is the doomed captain. Yes, <laughs> the interview with uh, Peter Marinker. Because of Peter Marinker, I'm not going to say why or what he says, but it's, it's really fun. It's short. It's shorter than the rest, but it's very interesting, his take on the event horizon. And if you've seen the film, you know that you know you know who he is and you'll know when it's coming up. But it, it's really fun. It's short. But nonetheless, I, I'm glad that they went to him and got this piece because he, he's almost a forgotten character. You know, then we go to Space Cathedral which you and I had talked about, you know, it goes from galleon to cathedral and dragonfly, but uh, the interview with, with, uh, with the production designer, Joseph Bennett, which is fascinating, uh, which leads right into the something new, which is an interview with the set decorator, Crispian Salas, who may be my favorite Dude. Uh, just personality out of all of them. I love that guy. I love him too. And I want to work the, with that guy. One of the things that I, I loved about his segment was his formality and how he talks about people. Yes. It's Mr. Anderson and, and it's Correct. Mr. Ben. And I thought, just thought that was just, I know it's a proper British thing, but it, his enthusiasm, by the way, I spent more time paused with him. Yes. Looking at his bookshelf. <laughs> and Me too, at dude. His, oh my, I like that. I wanted I, to see what was behind him. Yes. And you get that a lot though. You're seeing that a lot more in the last year with people being interviewed on television through Zoom calls and people paying attention to what's on their walls behind them. And people jokingly have, you know, backdrops that aren't really there, Sure, you know, but like the Simpsons, right. <laughs> I love seeing what books, you know, a set decorator has Yeah, as it will, even for reference or what he sure. would read in his downtime. And, you know, his, his movie rack, his movie shelf that you see off to his left it's not have a, doesn't have a lot on there as far as a collector goes, but there's enough there to go. That's a lot of work because you know that's his stuff. That's the stuff that he's involved in. Yeah, man. But dude, for the guy to be here, being interviewed in 2020, 22 years, 23 years later, right? And still be as enthusiastic as he is about it. Oh, yeah. Everybody. I mean, I understand Paul Anderson and Phil Beiser feeling the way they feel. But dude, the crew, man, like you said earlier, there is, even though people have different, maybe in different interpretations of what the ship is or what the movie takes more from, they all have, it's crazy if them all have very different view, not very different, but different views on things on different interpretations, but it, it's cohesive. It all works so well. Yeah. There's nothing much more to say about, about the extras. And if anything, all it just is shows is cohesiveness that everybody had in the production. Yeah, I'm going to hit this last one and then I'm going to throw it back to you uh, for the for the last three. But taking care of it, 
uh, interview with the production manager, Dusty Simons. Yeah. This guy is the guy who had to make all this work right. <laughs> <laughs> in such a very short amount of time and, and get along with all these artists. And he's the, you know, dude, to make all this happen in 13 weeks and then a four week turnaround for a cut hats off to Dusty Simons. And, you know, after you watch it, look up Dusty Simons. He's done some really, uh, some great stuff. I mean, he, he was on fucking Donner's Superman for God's sakes. The guy's been around. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun little bit with him. Uh, and my hats off to him for making all this happen back in 97, because this could have easily fallen apart. And what we learned through these extras about Paul's schedule and, you know, Eisner and, and the actor's schedules, making all this happen and not fall apart and go over budget or go, you know, Hats off to Dusty Simons for making that happen. So I'm going to throw the last three back to you to hit these last three. But I just wanted to say, Dusty Simons, man, good for you. You you made all this happen. Right. That's something else, too, we can kind of like, before we get to those last three, is that you have, for, for not getting into all the details, because the details are the fun part of it. But like you said, the, the the scheduling behind this movie for lots of things, Anderson's schedule, the actor's schedule, and studio's needs changing. Right. And everything about the Titanic, all of it because that Titanic. It's all Titanic's fault. There's seriously, it's James Cameron's fault. There isn't more to the movie. <laughs> There's It's James Cameron's fault that whatever. doesn't matter. Because it makes it, it makes for, uh, it's still, it's still a super fun movie and it makes a package like this 23 years later. So yeah, just energizing for sure, man. We wouldn't be sitting here talking about it if it wasn't for James Cameron. So let's just say that, yeah you know, we'd be talking about (laughs) some other version of this movie and maybe, you know, I mean, look, the version we got, I got no problems with it. And all this stuff. This is like gravy on top of my already fucking fantastic dinner right. in space. Right. And how many movies has uh, James Cameron done since then? Yeah. Two. Two. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> how many has Paul Anderson done? Oh, uh, Ten? nine, ten. I don't know. <laughs> so there you go, man. Uh, but I'll give you the last three. You think like, do I, do I give a fuck about a second unit director? Before you say that and before you think that, I'm going to put you in your spot. Because our man, Alan Graff, is second unit, man. And those guys fucking, they're the lifeblood of every feature film. Dude, 100%. Robin Vision is the second unit director in this. And the segment for reinforcements, that's a great interview. That, I mean, again, when you you see these things individually, they're fun. But when you see them in order, again, I I skipped over the, the three actors. But when you see them all in order, it is, it plays out so beautifully like, like just a buildup to where you get to who we already mentioned, Derek Harrington, the location manager and his segment, almost real. Uh, like we said, we briefly touched on it, but even though you know what it's about, still watch it. It's fucking great. And of course I've leaned on this one quite a bit because I'm the sound guy here. Sound designer, Campbell Skews screams from the cosmos. And I loved his the most because of how, or how organic. Oh, me too, man. He made the whole thing, even though it takes place in space. It's just, fuck, man. All I got to say is this, the movie is as enjoyable, if not more so than ever. The The shot release that Justin Beam and James McKay produced is like you said, man, I I, I, have, I don't have a lot of uh, points to argue about this being probably the best collector's edition shot has put out. Not just from the improvement of the, the movie's image and the sound, but just all these supplemental pieces that just make the whole package so 
perfect. You're, if you're a fan of the movie, man, and you've already watched these, you know what we're talking about. And I should point that out. Andrew Pink, a Patreon listener, is the one that chose this movie. Yeah, Pink, that on. And for a while, we weren't sure if we were going to cover the movie because we, well, really we were waiting for the disc. For, for this thing that we're <laughs> gushing over for the last 45 minutes. I'm glad Andrew chose it. I know we would have Me eventually too, got to it, but um, it just made it just put extra eyes and focus on this release, even though we would, we would have eventually talked about the movie, but I don't know if he would have been as in depth with this release because fuck man, it would have been a 10 minute kickstart conversation. And that would have been the end of it. So thank you, Andrew, for, yeah, man. for, for picking this movie um, because it made us go, yeah, dude. Oh my gosh. Can you, I can't wait to talk about this movie and dude, here we are. And after we got our disc, we both did the same thing. We're going to talk more about the shouts, but you know, uniqueness of this, than the movie itself. And here we are. That's exactly what we've done. Yes. I can't say enough about the work that Justin and James did on this as well as the other things they've done for shout in the past and follow, by the way, follow, I don't know about James McKay, but Justin Beam is on Twitter. Follow him because dude, he updates little things and he's really, he's really cheeky. Sometimes when he's announcing something, he'll, he's very, he, he speaks in code a lot, which is fun. Hats off to both those guys and everybody involved with putting this package together. Thanks to the guys at Shout for, yeah, you know, fronting the money for this. I know, I know, there's not a lot of money to be made anymore in this kind of thing. And fortunately, there, I guess, you know, it helps too. What really brought the cost down a lot in this was being able to do all these interviews remotely like that and not have to send, sure. a, not have to send a BTS a crew. crew out there. Yeah, yeah, man. And we got more conversation than we would have in a yeah. pre-pandemic situation because there wouldn't have been money to send people out. Right. This disc is, I mean, and, and like, again, this disc is loaded. It exceeded my expectations. Oh, yeah. Not that I thought I wouldn't get an, but I mean, man, I am fucking cuckoo for fucking Cocoa Puffs over this fucking disc. <laughs> I'm going to go back into it. I know I am. I'm going to go back through those two, uh, the original docs. I'm, I'm going to look at all these features again, and I'm going to watch the goddamn movie again this weekend. I know I am. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe for, hey, Pink, what we could do for you, man, is we could give you a 15-minute talk through at some point. We'll, we'll, a little, we'll do a little Patreon-only bonus 15 minutes or so where we just talk about the movie itself. Yeah. But it's, you know... But we, since we've gushed and exploded all over this fucking <laughs> Blu-ray, this is what this is. But we're, we're going to do, we'll do a little Patreon bonus 15 minutes and we'll, we'll go over the movie, which we all know and love. Like I said, thanks for picking this because I am a big fucking fan of this movie. Always have been. And I wanted to talk about it and do an episode on it anyway. And now we're going to do two. Yes. <laughs> and I'm so dude, sorry, I, Corey. No. Wow. Come on, dude. This movie. <sighs> There's no, this package, there's, there's only one, there's only one way to see this movie now. I know we're always like, we pick movies where like, Hey, this is streaming on HBO max. And Hey, this is on prime. Oh, you're going to have to rent this. Fuck that. Buy the fucking movie. Yeah, man. Buy it. Buy it. I mean, it's on Cinemax, but I mean, you're not going to look, you're not going to be sorry if you spend the fucking $25 for this. If you see it on Cinemax, I can't speak for the, the aspect ratio, but you know, what I can't speak sure. for is how clean the movie looks on Blu-ray. Yeah. It doesn't look clean in the ways, oh, it's too much noise reduction going on. No, man, you still see the greens there. It's still there. Yep. It's just cleaned up and it looks better than it's ever looked. You're going to love it. That's that's it. Just buy it. Now, I know there's some people that are geographically challenged in like, you know, our Northern brothers up there in Canada. It's like 50 bucks for them, Canadian. 
Send us your money and I'll send you one. <laughs> That's what I was saying to people. <laughs> Damn it. I'm sorry. Did I fucking just bury the lead? No. Yeah, no. Sorry, Corey. <laughs> I feel the same way. Look, I think everybody should own this fucker. This is one of the first times where I thought, dude, we need to do a giveaway. Yeah. I, I really feel like we need to do a giveaway. And this is because to me, am I going, I want to share this with, with, with the world. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been this excited about a fucking Blu-ray. I know. Blu-ray. I, know. <laughs> I have a feeling our Kickstarter is going to be us talking about it for 30 minutes again. Yeah, it could be. You never know. <laughs> it might be. Three episodes. Three episodes about Event Horizon. <laughs> so if you want to see this movie in its all its glory and, and just love it the way we've been gushing over it, I'll put the links in the description for sure to shout directly because like we said before, there's not a lot of money to be made in the same way the big studios will sell hundreds and hundreds and hundreds daily of a, of a big studio movie. But a movie that's 23 years old is not going to kind of gain a trend, kind of traction. You want to support the guys that put this stuff together. So I'll yeah, put man. the link directly to Shout Factory and it's like 20 bucks right now. And grab a bunch of other stuff in there while you're there too. There's plenty of stuff that Shout's got on there. Help bring that shipping cost down to the free status and then you'll be good to go. Because we're coming to the end of this, thank you Patreon supporters because this whole month has been movies you've chosen. Some we might've eventually got to, but we always figure out a way of like pushing things aside, pushing things aside. This kind of, I don't want to say forced the issue, but it allowed us, and that's I'm thinking it's a better way of saying it, it's allowed us to revisit things in a, on, in a more demanding way. And fuck man, I don't know if I would have ever gotten to Event Horizon and talked about this much without it being chosen. So thank you, Andrew. Thank you to everybody else that chose movies this month. And uh, if you guys want to join in on that with, with them, that's, that's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you want to follow us on Letterboxd, I'm at Corey underscore Culp. Just again, thanks for everybody that listens to the show. And it, because this is why we do it, because our love for movies and being reminded about our love for movies in this way was exactly what this episode was all about. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Letterboxd under Tom Cody. That's Tom Cody at Letterboxd. Cody.